This is why you never threaten someone permanently stuck in survival mode. Years ago, I was living with a couple of friends and lost both my job and my place to live within the same 24 hours when the economy went down the toilet and the bank foreclosed on the owner who owned the house that we were staying in. We had about two weeks to get out and then I ended up homeless and living in my car for two years. That's another story entirely. The point, however, is when living in a large city in a vehicle, your survival mode kicks in constantly. You're always worried. You're always cautious. And in the event something happens that's a threat, you usually think of the most effective brutal and quickest way to remove it as a threat. As a result, even years later now that I'm stable, I don't really have the ability to gauge an appropriate response to a threat. Maybe that's why I went overboard here, but I'll share this story and let others be amused or pass judgment as the case may be. While I was living in my car, I developed a relationship with someone who was a bit more stable than I was. She didn't really care that I lived in a car as I was always presentable and was able to hold down temporary work. Nobody really knew that I lived in a car unless I shared that information with them. She was big on helping people and was genuinely a good person, as I thought at the time. We had a falling out and just gradually lost contact. Our relationship was more of a passion thing. We remained friends on Facebook and she was fairly popular on there with about 500 friends. This is important later. About a year after the two of us broke up and about six months after I had last spoken to her outside of a few casual comments and likes, I was doing much better. I had just started a new job that I was about to go through training for and afterwards would be out of the car and into a more permanent residence. I had done a lot of work towards that point and things were great. I was at a Kinko's using their internet on my laptop and my phone rang. It was her. After a very brief exchange of pleasantries, she gets to the point. Her current boyfriend got her pregnant and left her. She needed somebody to take her to the abortion clinic and since she was the poster child perfect girl to her circle of friends and family, she couldn't ask any of them to do it. So she was asking me. On one hand, I was perturbed that this was the first time we had spoken in a long time and this was the only subject she felt was important enough to call me on. On the other hand, I try to be a good guy and even though it backfires, I was raised that way. But in this situation, I really couldn't help her because I was supposed to drop my car off at a friend's house the next day and hop on a bus to another state for my orientation and my new job. Even if I wanted to, which I really didn't, I couldn't. I told her as much and then that's when it hit the fan. She started screaming at me on the phone acting hysterical, crying, telling me that I was a horrible person. I had to help her. I didn't care about her, etc. By this point, the other people in the computer area are hearing her scream at me over my phone and I'm getting quite a few stares. I tell her in a tense voice that I had to get off the phone and for her to send me a message. Some of you may be getting ahead of me here and see where this is going and think in advance that I am the jerk, but please reserve judgment. I promise it's worth it. My Facebook chat window starts lighting up with more insults. I realize this may bite me in the butt. Remember how I don't respond well to things I see as threatening and start to steer the conversation asking her details and she gets dragged along. I confirm in the chat that she was pregnant. I confirm in the chat that he ran out on her. I asked why he ran out on her as I thought the two of them were close and she tells me that there was a chance that it wasn't his. I tell her that once again, I can't help her as I need to catch a bus tomorrow morning. Up to 
to this point, I'm willing to wish her luck and let it go. I start a new life tomorrow. She then drops this bombshell on me. She says, if you don't help me with this, I am going to tell everyone that it's yours and that you graped me. Oh, hell no. She did not just say that. And then I realized she said it over Facebook chat. Instead of warning her, instead of telling her to piss off, I instead start thinking about what a false grape accusation would do to me on the eve of everything that's about to change from my life. I have one thought, born out of survival mode that got kicked into high gear. Destroy this bee, and I know how to do it. I ask her if she's serious when she knows there's no way this kid is mine. She says she doesn't care. I ask her who she thinks is going to believe her. She says it's my word against hers, and who are people going to believe? Her or some homeless jerk who lives in his car? Knowing I have enough ammo, I pretend to reluctantly relent. I tell her, Dang it, fine. I'll help you, but I can't take you to the clinic tomorrow. It will have to be later this week. I have to change my plans. Let me call you tomorrow. She agrees. I then get to work. Within a few minutes, that chat transcript has been sent to about a hundred people on her friends list, and I tagged all of our mutual friends. The chat was also linked on her church page and her employer's page. I also sent it to her parents for good measure as an afterthought. Almost instantly, my phone starts to blow up. I shut off my laptop shut off my phone, and went out to my car to spend my last night in it. There's not much that I can say about the fallout that will do it justice more than what's probably playing in your heads. Sides were chosen, legal threats were made, firings happened, death threats were thrown around. Needless to say, her reputation was completely ruined to the point that she not only had to delete all forms of social media, but she had to move clear across the country to get rid of the stigma from the small town that she grew up in. Over the top? Maybe. But it was so, so sweet. It warms my heart on cold winter nights. Am I the jerk? It is horrifying how in some of these situations, bringing up false accusations is just an easy go-to. I think a lot of people in these stories that reach for those false accusations don't really understand the devastation that can lay to somebody's life. The original poster here was just trying to catch a break. He was living in his car for so long and he just wanted to have something work out. And then she threatens the one thing that will probably destroy all of that. How can she really expect a kind outcome when you're playing with fire like that? I would not be surprised if she thinks that his reaction was worse than her false accusations and that is just delusional and then as she's doing it she tries to look down on him by saying who would believe a homeless jerk just to put him down one last time when this guy's already been through enough it always rubs me the wrong way when people think of homeless people as lesser than human or just lesser than in general there's almost always a lot more to the story than you can ever realize just by seeing somebody in the current position they're in but she uses that as some sort of secret weapon so that he has to comply to her, or at least she thinks he does. So I hope this guy was able to get on his feet, and I hope this woman never does this to anybody else again. But how would you handle this situation if you were the OP? Let me know down below and jerk or not a jerk and why. My husband just admitted to me that he has been cheating on me with his cousin for the majority of our marriage. I'm a 40-year-old woman and my husband is 39. My husband's cousin was recently killed in a car accident three weeks ago. This has made my husband visibly depressed and a lot less like himself lately. Tonight, when I got home from work, he had our two kids go spend the night at his mother's place and had made us dinner. After dinner, he sat me down and told me that I needed to prepare myself for what he was going to say. He then proceeded to tell me about his affair. To sum things up, he essentially had been doing bedroom things with his cousin since she seduced him when she was 13 and he was 16. These carnal activities went on through their adulthood up until he started to date me. After we got married, things 
things didn't happen between him or his cousin until around four years into our marriage when she supposedly convinced him to continue their activities on the side. For context, we've been married for a little over 15 years. This has continued up until three weeks ago, as you can imagine. He told me to take it as I will and he'll accept anything I choose to do considering our marriage. His cousin apparently was a lot more than some fling. I never would have expected my husband to be cheating. He never did anything that would give it red flags like coming in late or leaving a hair of another woman around. I'm at a standstill and I'm not sure where to go from here. I haven't been able to say anything to him after he was so blunt about it. I'm still crying some now. I don't know where to go from here. Any suggestions are welcome. Jumping into the future, there is one update. I have thought a lot on the suggestions that I've been given and decided to go forward on some. I've talked with my mother about the situation and she's agreed to take in my children until the situation is dealt with. I've also approached my husband about divorce and put my demands about wanting full custody of our children as well as the house and other things. He hasn't put up a fight regarding any of those and has agreed to it. It's been really hard to swallow all of this and I'm looking for a lawyer now to help with the divorce. My mother has also suggested to keep the real reasoning of our divorce away from our children as long as possible, especially my eldest daughter who's 14. This will be my second and last post on this matter. I again want to express that I appreciate all the helpful comments and suggestions. What should I do from here? So for nine years, the husband was habitually cheating on his wife with his cousin. That is a long time to be cheating on someone and not have it uncovered. I feel like in almost every cheating situation, no matter how slick you try to be, eventually it bubbles to the surface. And sometimes you are the one that bubbles it to the surface, like in this case. And I can't even imagine how devastating that is for the wife, the OP here, because she has spent a good portion of her life with this man, only to find out that he has betrayed her for years and years, almost a decade. And that goes for whether it was the cousin or not. The main reason why the cousin part is so shocking, besides it literally being his cousin, is that she never would have seen it coming. It was family. So it's even more shocking than it would be in a normal situation, and she's only that much more blindsided. Where do you go from here? How do you rebuild? Not financially, but emotionally. Those are going to be some tough questions she has to answer very soon. But let me know what your thoughts are on this, and what would you recommend? Am I the jerk for not wanting my fiancé to dance to a love song dedicated to her late fiancé at our wedding? Before we met, my fiancé, Kayla, was engaged to a man that she had dated for three years who died in a traffic accident. I had never dated a woman who had that kind of loss before, so I've always been learning as I go, but I've tried to respect that he will always be a part of her story, and I accepted her relationship with her late fiancé's parents with open arms. They stayed very close, and by the time we started dating, they were basically like a second set of parents to her. Kayla's parents, her real parents, and her late fiancé's parents are all amazing people, so I consider myself pretty lucky to have two great sets of in-laws. Our wedding is coming up in May, and Kayla told me that after her father-daughter dance, she would like to have a second dance with her late fiancé's father to the song Vanilla Twilight. She asked me if I was comfortable with that, and I didn't want to be that guy and say no, so I said yes. But it really makes me uncomfortable that she would be dancing to a love song dedicated to another man at our wedding. I am happy to make space in our lives for his memory. A photo of him is on our mantle at home. We make it a point to commemorate his birthday and the anniversary of his death, and I feel like I am being understanding and supportive when she has bad days. And I am 100% fine with having his parents at the wedding because, like I said, we are all a family. But I also feel like our wedding is one day that it is all about our relationship. Am I the jerk if I ask her to reconsider this dance? What are the best compromises here? Jumping into the future, there is an update. Two months ago, I married the love of my life. I was thinking about this thread the other 
other day and how it went and where my head was at when I made it. I thought you guys might like an update. A little anticlimactically, the thing that I was stressing about was a bit of a miscommunication, which probably happens a lot. Kayla wanted to dance with her late fiancés, I'll go ahead and just call him Luke from now on, father at our wedding. And Vanilla Twilight was an example of a song along the lines of what she wanted, not the set in stone top choice like I had thought. I, and a lot of other commenters in the original thread, spent a lot of time overanalyzing the lyrics to that song, looking for a hidden meaning in every word. While it turns out, she hadn't put that much thought into it, other than this is kind of a sad song that I like. We got together that night and she had made several playlists of possible first dance songs for us. Songs for when she walks down the aisle, music to play at the reception, and the song choices for her dance with Luke's father. We spent hours listening to all of them and talking about the wedding. We even made a tournament style bracket for our first dance song in her journal and put songs head to head against each other until the victory merged. At the end, we talked about the wedding and our relationship, Luke and their relationship and grief, what it was like when she lost him and what it was like for me when I lost my mom at a young age, what a family is and all the things we were hopeful for the future. We stayed up until three in the morning just talking and planning and laughing and crying a little and I'm so glad for it. After getting bombarded by dozens of different opinions from dozens of different people earlier that day, I had been worried that I was going to have a conflict with my fiance shortly after our wedding, but there was no conflict, just a pure memory. After that night, I started putting in more effort to be involved with the wedding planning process and actually asked for things that I wanted, which Kayla actually really appreciated. We also took a long weekend a couple of weeks before the wedding to go on a camping trip together just for the two of us, which I highly recommend to anyone who was getting married. Overall, there was a complete flip in my feelings leading up to the wedding from being somewhat insecure and excited but nervous to being completely at ease, excited and feeling stronger about my relationship than ever. The wedding day itself was really wonderful and worth the wait. Kayla and Luke's father had their dance to lean on me and I also had a dance with Kayla's mom and it was very emotional in a good way. I really felt that that day was a celebration of our love and I was genuinely happy that Luke's parents were there to celebrate along with us because they are very much members of our family and I wish I had the space to describe all the ways they've been there for us through the years. My amazing wife is who she is because of all the experiences that she's had in her life and I don't want to be the kind of man who asked her to pretend that she has never loved before me or pretend that her grief is something that is or should be done with forever now that she has me. I just want to say how glad I am that we shared that night together and that the wedding was nothing but love and celebration. I never thought that I could be so happy. So what would you do? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the first post of the update, the OP basically did an about face. He completely just turned around and changed his perspective. It doesn't really even sound like he brought it up to her. Yeah, they obviously talked about everything until 3 in the morning, but it doesn't sound like he explicitly stated what the issue was. And maybe that was because whatever they talked about in those conversations until 3 a.m. was enough to put him at ease without having to confront her or get in some sort of conflict situation. Either way, it sounds like it all worked out for the both of them. But if this was you in this situation, would you be okay with your husband 
husband or wife dancing a song dedicated to their late partner? Let me know down below. My meeting with my CEO has crushed me. I don't know where to write this and I do not know what I'm looking for. I basically just have to write this down somewhere to process it. I work for a company in Germany. I am new to this company. Four months here and also alone in my whole department. I am building it up. Last month we acquired a new company, a French company. So we have a culture difference here. I was told that I will also need to work for that company. I do speak French, not perfect, but well enough to talk and joke around. The French CEO was visiting our office this week and today he requested a meeting with me. The meeting was horrible. Basically, it was just him taking our work culture and me apart, all while smiling at me the whole time. We have home office, which is unreliable. We have flexible work hours, which makes no sense. I have no rules, no key performance indicators, which is chaotic. However, at our company, everything runs smoothly. And honestly, I am successful at my job. He talked to me the whole time as if I am 12 years old. I am 32 years old. And then at the end, he asked me if I even have any experience whatsoever. I have four years experience. And the last thing he says while smiling is, this meeting has shown me that I clearly need to speak to your CEO. It honestly felt so condescending. I'm a very fragile person. I doubt myself a lot. I am my own worst critic. This has crushed me. I can't switch off his voice in my head. I feel worthless. Why did he smile the whole time? Why did he treat me like a child? Why do I let it make me go crazy when I normally get good feedback? I should be able to trust myself in my performance, no? Also, the whole meeting was in French. I do understand almost everything, but why not speak in a language that is foreign to both of us, English, instead of making only me uncomfortable? He used difficult expressions and asked me, do you understand several times? During our first meeting ever, I had asked several times if we could switch to English and he just said, but you know French, this way you will learn. So I felt too shy to ask again, but to me, this is such an odd way of thinking. It felt like his way of gaining more power. Jumping into the future, there is an update. The conversation with the French CEO had really crushed me. I was crying a lot. Then two months after I was in a meeting and I reacted apparently weird to a specific task that I was given related to the French company. Immediately, our CTO came to me after the meeting and asked me why I reacted the way I did. I basically just said, should I confirm that with the French CEO before doing that? Anyway, the CTO ended up pressuring me into telling him what happened. I had one tear rolling down my face because of the pressure. He was shocked and asked me in an ideal world what I wanted to make this better. I just asked, I personally don't want to work directly with him. The CTO said, done. Two weeks later, I was told that the French CEO had his decision-making power over my department taken away. He is no longer involved. Fast forward to last month, my company's CEO came to me at the end of the workday. It was only him and me. He told me that he heard about how the French CEO had treated me back in February. He hugged me and said that no one is allowed to treat me this way. Then he said that they have decided to find an agreement to part ways with the French CEO. They are still in discussions but wanted to tell me already because of what happened. He confirmed I do a wonderful job, exceeded expectations, and if ever someone talks to me the way that guy did, to go to him directly to have this sorted out. As you can imagine, I am super happy at my current company. So, what would you have done? This honestly just sounds like some sort of power trip that the French CEO was on. Maybe he thought that he could just come in, lay down the law, and everyone would have to respect him. Kind of like a tactic people use when they enter prison. Find whoever they think will be a threat in the future and preemptively go after them. There's no mention of whether or not 
not the CEO did this to other people, but I'm assuming that's not the case or we probably would have heard about that. But let me know how you would handle this if the new CEO of your company started treating you this way. Am I the jerk for kicking a server out of my wedding? I'm a 25-year-old female and my husband is 30 years old. We got married last Friday. We planned our dream wedding down to our dream catering company. The wedding was beautiful. After the pictures, we headed down to our cocktail hour and that's when I saw her. My guests were all told to wear dark colors so my husband and I stood out. I also asked my guests to wear minimal makeup. I had assumed that applied to the staff too. The server, a 19-ish year old female, had on clearly too much eyeliner. She also had diamond studs in her ears, a flashy ring, and one of those ugly nose studs. The staff's uniform was a black long sleeve shirt, but on her, it was too low cut and her pants were far too tight. It was super distracting. She was walking around serving drinks and talking to my guests. I asked another member of the staff to speak to their boss. When their boss came out, I pointed out the server and asked that she be dealt with because she was super distracting. Their boss apologized and called the server back into the kitchen. Not even an hour later, the server was back out serving food for dinner. I called the boss over again and asked if the server could work in the back or go home. Her boss said that they were short staffed tonight so she would see what could be done. After a couple of hours of not seeing her, I saw the server again behind the bar. I called the boss out one last time and told her if the server didn't leave, I would be calling the cops. The boss finally relented and told the girl to go home. My husband and mother-in-law said that I was acting crazy and that I probably got a poor college kid fired over nothing. My mother and maid of honor said that it's my wedding so I can do as I please. It's my wedding and I don't want somebody overshining me and the server should know she's at work and not dress up so much. I do feel kind of bad because she was pretty young. Am I the jerk? Imagine spending the limited time and energy caring about whether or not somebody is wearing makeup on your wedding day. This does not sound like somebody I would want to be married to. Sometimes people are just neurotic and they can't help it. So at first I was giving the OP the benefit of the doubt that maybe that's just how they were. But then she threatens to call the police and says that this server is outshining her. At that point, she's actively making decisions to be like that and wasting time on her one and only wedding day to try and get this girl fired or removed instead of enjoying that precious time with her friends and family. So what do you think? Jerk or not a jerk and why? When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. To finish listening to all the stories in this series, use the playlist at the top of the description. And next time you live stream, use the cream of the crop music. Search for cream of the stream on Spotify or whatever music platform you use for copyright free music to use for your stream. It's free cream of the stream. Either way, thanks a lot for listening. We'll see you guys next time.